Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the world's cricket show, the world's favourite cricket show, still turning up to work despite everything. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one and joining me over Zoom, emerging blinking from his little grotto of self-isolation and middle of the night ashes viewing and still refusing to have a shower, it's Tony Kerr. Evening. How's it going, Tony? What's going on? Yeah, good, thanks. All good. Yeah, feeling a bit fresher. Yeah, you've been a bit poorly this week. Uh, well, that's it. It. I'm going to go back into work tomorrow. So, yeah, having basically been off exclusively for the period of the first Ashes test. Uh, and there are going to be questions asked, I'm sure. So Yeah, your boss is quite a big cricket fan, isn't he? Mm. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready to, to, you know, to fight off any accusations that might come my way. But <laughs> look, I can assure you, I can assure you it was genuine. You <laughs> genuinely wanted to isolate for three days to watch the cricket. You didn't really sound that ill on the podcast, but um, but uh, you know we'll, we'll all take your word for it. Are you, are you feeling any better? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm very good. <laughs> Top of the world. It's just yeah. Well, no, I'm very good. Yeah, very good, thanks. You sounded that was a strange. <laughs> it sounded like there was more you wanted to say there. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Better genuinely, genuinely fine. Uh, but yeah, we're on Zoom again and not on Zoom because you are feeling better and you had a negative PCR result. So we're not on Zoom anymore because you might have COVID, but we're on Zoom because you haven't showered. And that was just my, I insisted um, that we do it over this. But um, but it's good to talk to you again. We've we've been doing Ashes Daily. They said it wouldn't happen. They said they weren't really bothered one way or the other, but, uh, but we have been doing it. We did three out of three. Day four you know we thought we'd give that a miss and uh <laughs> and just ignore it and just move on um but no obviously we're going to be talking about the whole the whole test and the the result on this but uh have you have you been enjoying ashes daily too i've been loving it i think it's the absolute top of the tree of ashes dailies that i've heard so far and the pinnacle of your career yeah it, really, it stands out it does stand out in a crowded field it is uh it's exceptional stuff it really is well you finally been um, given the opportunity to host this podcast yeah and uh, i've been getting some good feedback, <laughs> what, very good from, feedback. from me <laughs> yeah exactly no, you've been very you've been very gracious actually with your uh <laughs> yeah your sort of you know your, your generosity of, of uh compliments has been yeah unrivaled it tis really is the season so yeah, I've been. I'd say I've been restrained. I've shown remarkable restraint in my compliments. I think. You're, yeah, I think you know we know each other well, and I know that when you really mean it, you won't say it. So, <laughs> um, so you must be really impressed with my hosting because you haven't said a huge amount. Um, well, anyway, we're not we're not going to rehash everything that we we said on those Ashes dailies, but yeah, we will be. Uh, well, we're, right now we're going to review the Brisbane Test in full. A fairly chastening start. To the ashes for England, I think it's fair to say, saying um, it was just a 
a very familiar story, really, wasn't it, at the Gabba? It's, you know, it's an Ashes series in Australia. Uh, I feel sleep-deprived and, you know, just generally knackered. And England have lost <laughs> in pretty uh, substantial and arguably humiliating fashion. So um, just to, to quickly recap, contentious moment right at the beginning of the game, Joe Root winning the toss. Uh, and choosing to bat first. And England were all out on the first day, all out inside two sessions, actually, for 147, uh, with Pat Cummins on his, uh, in his first test as captain, taking five for 38. Uh, Australia were in a spot of bother at one point. I mean, they're obviously ahead of the game, but they were 195 for five uh, when Ollie Robinson took two wickets and two balls. And England at that stage would have felt that they were still in the game. But Travis Head, with a quite astonishing 152 from 148 balls, uh, took Australia way out into the distance uh, and they eventually made 425. Uh, and England in the second innings, well, it was the third day was very good for England, wasn't it? With Joe Root and David Milan putting together a, a partnership uh, of, what was it, 158, 159? Uh, and that's the last time we spoke, Tane, was Ashes Daily, uh, day three. And we were feeling, you know, more cheerful, um, uh, somewhat optimistic that, that things were looking up for England. Um, I don't know about you, Tan. I went to bed <laughs> thinking that I would wake up to, I don't know quite what I was expecting. Uh, and I did think that Australia were going to win, but I didn't think that when I checked my phone <laughs> at whatever it was four in the morning, that it would say Australia win by nine wickets. Um, but that is what happened. And we're eventually all out for 297 uh, as they collapsed on the fourth morning. Uh, and then they only Australia only needed 20 to win and they did it with nine wickets to spare. So... It is 1-0. It's not been a great start. I think uh, that's fair to say. Where did it all go wrong for England, Tone? And where were we... I, I'm, I feel like we weren't. A lot of people possibly were. But but were we getting carried away after after day, Root and Milan and day three? Never dream is basically the, the thing. We should, we, I mean, we must have said it a few times over the years, but we never seem to learn. I, what's most annoying... Well, I mean, it's incredibly annoying, isn't it, when you invest good amounts of your personal energy into something uh, like this and, and, it, and it, you come away so unfulfilled and so just like so flat uh, yeah and I, I think as well what's, what's sort of most annoying is obviously just the way the time zone works off the back of sort of where Root and Milan had kind of got us to or got England to um, you basically all that expectation and that you're sort of talking you know they're talking us up and yeah thinking like well we're only whatever it is 58 runs behind two wickets down, like, you know, it's anybody's game now. And that goes on, you know, for literally 12 waking, effectively 12 waking hours uh, or more. I mean, that was quite a few hours, basically. Three to 12. And then you sit there till 11.30, all excited. And then it's like, it's over within about 15 minutes. Really frustrating. <sighs> what was the question? Where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong? Yeah. Well, well hang on. I'll pivot to a different question here because this is possibly something we didn't talk about enough uh, on Ashes Daily, but how impressed were you with Australia? Like, uh, obviously, we're going to talk in in some detail about where it's gone wrong for England, but is, is there a danger of kind of overlooking the part that Australia have played in this? Yeah, possibly. I suppose, given that most people, including us, expect Australia to win the series, or expected Australia to win the series comfortably going into it, like, did they perform beyond expectation like probably not I don't know like they obviously won the game handsomely um, 
there were impressive performances, clearly. Uh, Travis Head, obviously, with 152. Um, and some of the bowling was was pretty decent, you'd have to say. Uh, Cameron Green was impressive, picked up some some big wickets. So that's just a, sort of another another name to add to, you know, or another sort of danger man to add to the list. Um, so, no, yeah, I mean, I think they were impressive. Obviously, they deserve, they deserve credit, but... And they, they can only beat what's in front of them, as the cliche goes. But what is in front of them possibly performed as well to expectation, which is which is yeah, basically for Australia to win comfortably. But um, yeah, what do you reckon? I suppose I suppose that's why this game does feel so kind of depressing. Is that it is it is just entirely what we expected. You know, if if, if you asked one of us to kind of write a script for what would likely happen in this GABA test. This is exactly what, you know, at both sides, as you say, play performs to expectation. I think as far as Australia are concerned, like, yeah, they probably didn't have to be that good to win. You know, they, they didn't have to be at the top of their game and like the, the, their bowling attack, you know, the bowlers were good without being outstanding. And obviously like Josh Hazelwood seemed to be carrying a bit of a niggle, Stark had a relatively quiet game. Lyon had a very quiet game until he took four wickets right at the end there. But you were thrilled with that. I've I've seen them bowl much better than this. But yeah, they did have some some outstanding performances. I thought Labashane batted really, really well and kind of ominously well uh, on day two. And Travis Head's contribution obviously was, was hugely decisive. The third fastest Ashes 100 ever. Uh, he's higher on the list than, than Ian Botham in, in 1981 now. Wouldn't have necessarily bet on Travis Head getting that high up the list. Um, so, you know, and, and as, as we talked about Nash's Daily, he, you know, he was by no means guaranteed of a, of a place in the side for this game. So, so, you know, huge credit to him there. And as you mentioned, so Cameron Green bowled really well. Obviously didn't see anything of him with the bat. He was out first ball. Um, but... You know that that is it's kind of it's slightly alarming, isn't it, for for England and for other teams because Cameron Green looked, you know, proper kind of frontline seam bowler, and that's one of the things that Australia have lacked kind of forever in some respects is a is a genuine all rounder. So you know, obviously, you don't want to get carried away with just one performance, and you know, this was he took his first Test wicket in this game, but you know that he looks a real prospect, and that's that's very encouraging for Australia, less so for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good performance from Australia without having to be much more than that. It was it was familiar and disappointing from England. I mean, clearly the 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 lack of preparation has had a big impact. Um, you know, like Ben Stokes looked like a man who hasn't played cricket for six months, um, but some of the others looked like they hadn't played cricket for six months as well. Um, so, and you know, obviously part of that is. Well, a big part of that is the pandemic and things that they couldn't really legislate for, couldn't really do much about. The weather obviously meant that they, they the warm-up game fixtures they were going to have against the, the Lions squad um, couldn't happen. So there's not necessarily... It's tough to be too critical when those things happen. But at the same time, there are other reasons as well why they, you know, why they, why they look so unprepared. But, but beyond that, where else did it go wrong? You know, some people have suggested that this game was lost before the start of play, you know, before the umpire called play, um, you know, that the selection and the toss were the, were the decisive factors here. What, what do you reckon? I don't know. I, yeah, clearly it, it, well, clearly it had an impact and, and possibly things might have been different had it gone the other way or a different decision been made. But 
I think as we, as we spoke about in the week, at the end of the day, we didn't get enough runs. That's the that's just the, the bottom line. I think that the, the batting um, is obviously the major issue. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how big a deal in terms of selection. Lots been made about Anderson and Broad not playing, but both of them weren't going to play. I don't, I don't see a situation like you, they would have selected both of them because um, that would have meant leaving out one of Wood, Robinson and Leach, or Leach presumably. Well, obviously it would. Yeah, I don't see a way that those both those players play together uh, in the series unless, unless, yeah, unless England choose not, yeah, to, to lose uh, basically a, a possible big weapons in obviously the pace of Wood, um, Robertson, who looked, looked great. I mean, I don't think the bowlers really did much wrong in this match, did they? Uh, okay, Australia scored 425, but there was a moment, England had them under the pump for a decent spell of that. Um, and, but for a few things going differently, I mean, the, 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 as you said, the Rory Burns um, drop in the slips, which was an absolute dolly, uh, didn't help. Stokes uh, overstepping for that um, Warner wicket. Um, yeah, the, conceivably England could have kept Australia to considerably less in that first inning. So maybe it's a slightly different match. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I'd say it's a bit overhyped the the kind of uh, the Anderson Broad toss debate. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it, uh, I think it's a real red herring actually, and it is. It's fairly um, striking that once again you know, England get bowled out for 147 and then in the second innings lose eight wickets for, what was it, eight wickets for 60 or something. And all the talk is about, well, you know, the, the, the narrative is that, that that where it went wrong was that they didn't pick Stuart Broad. And I just don't really understand that. And he, you know, yes, Broad was fan, phenomenal uh, against, or had that phenomenal kind of hold over Warner in the 2019 Ashes. And, yeah, 18 months ago was bowling as well as he ever has, but he hasn't been bowling as well as that this year. He also picked up an injury in August and hasn't played since then. So I, I think I wouldn't have been, like had he played, I wouldn't have been too shocked if he'd looked quite rusty and had been bowling kind of 80 mile an hour lollipops as well, because that that that's it does take him a while to, to, to kind of get going again. So I think it's a real stretch to think that he would have made a massive difference, especially when the other, uh, the, the, the seam bowlers that they did pick bowled really well, as you say, and they, yeah, they were like, a bit unfortunate that they, you know, there was a lot of player misses and, you know, so, so what, where it's come down to is a lot of people like, uh, Jonathan Agnew on, on TMS, are sort of incredulous that, that Broad wasn't picked over Jack Leach. And Agnew kind of suggesting that it was absurd for England to pick a spinner looking at that pitch but well a Nathan Lyon took a forfer here but b you know it's a I think it's a slightly weird situation that England have got themselves into this year that they've they've not been picking they didn't pick a spinner all summer and I, I just there's not that many occasions where I think it's sensible to not have a spinner in test cricket and I will say as well like I I, I think there's been too much focus on Jack Leach like yes he didn't bowl very well and you know clearly the Australians had a plan to get after him and that worked and it rattled him. But again, like this is not all about Jack Leach. Like this is the, the reason they lost is because they got blown away, you know, in, in the batting and what, what will happen now? Like I, 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 
I can really imagine a situation now where they'll drop Leach for the second test, either for another seamer or bring Don Bess in. And Leach might never get another look in for England. Like that is genuinely possible. And I'll be really cross if that's the case, because if you, <laughs> if you compare that, I think he's been really good for England, you know, so far in his career. It's, you know, it's, he's not kind of set the world alight, but I think he's done a really good job. And he was very good in India earlier this year, but he struggled to get a real run in the team. But it could happen now that he that he's written off after this but you compare that with someone like Johnny Bairstow who fails time and again with the bat but it's just different for batsmen and bowlers there's a different kind of perspective like so Jack Leach is kind of the villain of the piece here but like what about someone like Rory Burns or Ollie Pope who scored no runs you know they're not going to get dropped now and, and never play again so I, I do think it's the narrative around it is quite frustrating to me and yeah the, the seam is that were picked bowled really well. Broad may or may not have given them an extra few percentage points if they'd picked him over. Leach perhaps restricted Australia to 50 or 60 less, but but that is so trivial by comparison with the real problem, which is that they can't bat. It's, I mean, it's the same story again and again, Tone, isn't it? They, the batting has really struggled uh, in the last four or five years. There's no quick solution to it, but that that is the issue, not the selection of... Or, or or otherwise of Stuart Broad. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, as you say, a, a definite red herring, and just the, the batting is is hugely worrying, isn't it? At the moment, I mean, obviously, much has been made of Joe Root's calendar year, which has been um, which has been stunning. But it's definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's masked the, the kind of greater issues because it has like the other players really haven't had much place to hide. Um, Obviously, everyone was sort of hoping for a Stokes miracle when he came to the crease, and that's like that's asking a huge amount. Um, Milan clearly batted well. Hamid looked promising, to be fair. I mean, it, what did he make? Twenty-seven and twenty-seven and twenty-five, which he'd want to be making more. But th- there was at least some promise there, some resilience, and um, you know, maybe you'd hope he'll have a reliable series. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I mean, Ollie Pope hasn't really made hasn't really made significant runs since um, since that century in South Africa. I mean, he's, he's got a couple of half centuries, but not much else to shout about. And obviously he's someone who, yeah, he, when he scored that big century in South Africa, um, you know, people were talking about him as the sort of, you know, the next kind of, sort of great English batsman where they a huge amount of expectation. Likewise, Zach Crawley, when he came in, and I, yeah, I don't know, players aren't, it, it just continues. It's another year when, probably no one knew has established themselves in England's batting lineup. And when was the last time that happened? Well, it's a really good question. And and there's a lot of uh, interesting stats flying around in the aftermath of this game. But, you know, one of them being, as you mentioned, Joe Roots uh, now scored the most runs of any England batsman in a calendar year. Um, and that's in a year that has been dreadful for England in test cricket. So that, that's, that's, that tells you something, doesn't it? And also that he scored more than a thousand runs more than the second highest run scorer for England this year, which is Rory Burns, um, which is really quite astonishing. And it, it is turning into an awful year for England. Oh, I mean, it, it, it could easily, it, like if they lose in Adelaide and in Melbourne uh, in on Boxing Day as well, which can't be ruled out, uh, they will have lost, that will be the, the most test defeats for, well, in fact, it will actually equal the record for most test defeats by any team in a calendar year. Um, so, you know, there's still some way to go, but as I say, I don't think it could be ruled out. So yeah, your question, Tone, of when was the last time someone came to the team? I mean, 
like that the, the batsmen came into the team and kind of made themselves a success at test level. I mean, truly, that is a, a great question because apart from Joe Root, I think you actually have to go back to Jonathan Trott in 2009. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like Ben Stokes, I suppose, uh, would count in there. I'd sort of class him as a, a separate entity as he's an all-rounder, but, but it's really quite a long time. The, the, the runs that England have scored in this decade or the previous decade, rather, were all from players who made their debut long before, like Cook and Strauss and Peterson and, uh, you know, and Bell. It's root, but but genuinely, it's a real struggle to think of someone else who's, who's like a proper success at test level. So I just, I don't know what the solution is because essentially these are, the guys they've picked here are the best batsmen in England, or if they're not, they've tried all the others. So the system is not producing test standard batsmen, and that's a really long term issue. You know, it's 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 a, fixing that is a really long term challenge, and it, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could argue that you know England are probably looking for there's there's five slots in that team that are not in any way nailed down at all. Just Butler, who I think you know lots of people would want to see succeed you know is still sort of struggling to make regular impacts I mean he's you know he's played a fair old number of tests now what is he played 54 tests now and he's you know he's averaging 33 but again you know he's, that second innings he sort of just prodded prodded at one that he didn't need to and it's like just yeah it's incredibly frustrating to watch I mean I, I don't know what they do because you know obviously Crawley is the other batsman on the tour isn't he and he's you know, he was in wretched form. You know, that's the reason he was dropped is because he couldn't buy a run. So I don't know. And, and Burns, he's had some good moments, hasn't he? But he just, he, it's just, he's uncomfortable. I think I've said this before. He's, you know, he's an uncomfortable watch. And when he's not getting runs, it's even worse. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I kind of feel sorry for them in a way because, yeah, you, know, you want to sort of um, extrapolate too much from this one very, very heavy defeat. But, it obviously could it could well be a very very chastening winter for these guys. Um, I don't, it, yeah, it's not going to be much fun. There's another good stat doing in the rounds that uh, Rory Burns has only played five fewer tests than Pat Cummins, which is partly about the fact that Pat Cummins hasn't played as much Test cricket as you think, but also does uh, does tell you that you know Burns is not is not a newbie anymore. Um, and, you know, and I think he, he's done relatively well at times uh, and, you know, has scored a few hundreds and definitely needs to be persisted with. But yeah, as you say, it's uh, that you you fear a little bit for, for him and, and, and some of the others. And as I say, it's, it's about the what is the county system producing? When are the when are the county championship fixtures being played? It's actually beginning and end of the season when it's, you know, it's difficult for... And the ball's hooping around and it's difficult for, for batsmen. So, <clears throat> and about the prioritisation of, of white ball cricket. So, yeah, as I say, there's there's really no swift solution here. So, I suppose what we're, you know, who we're blaming is the system. <laughs> but in terms of, is there anyone else we should blame? How much blame should Joe Root shoulder here, if anything, as, as the captain um, and I, I suppose, I, I suppose, well, well, we'll come on to this in a second. But there is, there's a danger that perhaps we're writing them off too quickly. You know, this is uh, one test with four to go, and they're they're really rusty, having not had much of a warm up. And it could be that things look different in in a week or two's time. But it does feel worrying. It's a worrying start. 
And yeah, you know, what, exactly. What, what, what's well, the I mean, reason behind all this? You only have to look at, you know, probably a week out for the Ashes <laughs> or a couple of weeks out. It was like, you know, the fear mongering and everything. And then, you know, you taught yourself up. And then obviously it's like the doomsday opening um, to the series. You know, everyone's negative, negative, negative. Then Root and Milan make a few runs and then we're suddenly like, oh, it's on. Like, you know, yeah. And then 24 hours later, it's like, oh, no, actually, it's all crap. You know, it is yeah. easy to be very, very reactionary. But, there, you know, there's an established pattern. As you say, you know, England had a wretched year all round, really, in test cricket. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think you can have be too harsh on Root. Uh, like, clearly, he's he's doing his bit with the bat. He is he's a competent captain, but he hasn't got much to work with. Um uh, yeah, I, I do think, to a certain extent, captains can be made to look better by the options available to them, obviously. And his captaincy isn't going to get more runs out of the team. It's on those individual batsmen. So, yeah, I don't know how much much blame you can place on them. It does seem like there's a bit of a... The, kind of the whole setup at the moment seems slightly clumsy and uh, sort of haphazard. And, you know, I don't know, Silverwood hasn't exactly covered himself in glory this year, I don't think. Um, how long has he been in charge? Has he been two years now? Two years, yeah. I think the New Zealand um, floor of 2019. Yeah, I mean, like when you compare him to previous coaches who did well, were just more vocal. And I think a bit, there was a bit more of a sense of strong leadership. I don't know, you don't sort of hear him speak too much too often. Um, certainly when like Flower and Duncan Fletcher and, and, and were in charge, you know, there was, there was much more. Uh, I don't know it seemed like you heard from them a lot more and there was a bit more of a clear vision I know okay it's, cricket's changed and clearly the the fact that England have been so good in white ball cricket uh, you know shouldn't be kind of forgotten in this obviously you know it's not I, I don't know whether it is possible to be you know absolutely flying on all fronts all the time but uh, yeah and clearly there's been you know there's been the pandemic the the preparation the time together the kind of normal stuff hasn't been there so yeah maybe it is too harsh to be too judgmental on him but yeah I, I don't know it, you don't sense that Test cricket in England is moving in in a in a positive direction at the moment it's it's at best kind of treading water and that water is yeah that treading is not not hugely successful at the moment <laughs> that water is getting deeper um. Yeah, well, I, I think I agree on Silverwood. I mean, the jury's still out. I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like two years. It feels like it, it feels like he's not been in charge as long as that. But um, and because it, it does feel like the jury's still out. But actually, that is that's a, quite a long time now. Like, should be enough time, to sort of, um, to make some kind of determination. But but I I, I do agree with you, and uh, partly it's. Well, to quite a large extent, it's because of you know the comments that he made earlier this year and how kind of brazenly he and England were trumpeting this tour as their priority. And yeah, you know that in the summer they had New Zealand and India, the number one and two sides in the world, coming to England, and he was talking about how it was good a good preparation for the Ashes. And if they now lose it, or you know, and lose it as or they're, if they're, as they now look to be so kind of unprepared and out of their depth like that is that's a pretty um you know resounding failure then isn't it and it, it's quite hard to see how he can carry on given that so that yeah there's definitely questions to ask of Silverwood and 
I, I do think there are of root as well. I mean, yes, I agree with you that he can only work with what he's given. So it's not all his fault by any means. But all I would say on root is he's not a new captain anymore. You know, he's been captain now five years. That's actually a decent chunk longer than Andrew Strauss, Alistair Cook or Nasser Hussain ever were. And yet it still feels like he's learning how to do it. And so I, I, he's just not not a natural captain for me. I did, I I thought five years ago that it was a mistake to make him captain and I, that nothing I've seen since has changed my mind. So I, I, again, I don't want to write off him and England in this series too early, but it was just, it was particularly frustrating his post-match interview, which as always is just kind of trotting out cliches about how there's mm. lots to learn and, you know, and it's just, it's remarkably uninspiring. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we've written off English cricket, uh, yeah, in the last 20 minutes so. well yeah i mean maybe maybe next week we'll be we'll be uh humming a different tune do you think we are writing them off too quickly <laughs> uh it doesn't feel like we're being too hasty as you, i think it boils down to you know as we say said before you know performing to expectation and that expectation was extremely low so i don't know we don't we've probably already written them off to a certain extent um you know, I think we're prone to to bounce of optimism as well when it's merited, but it's tough to be too excited. And I, it's, I mean, clearly cricket is bigger, much bigger than the Ashes. But given the emphasis, you know, that's put on the series in England and Australia, and and as you say, you know, it being the sort of priority, it is pretty, it's pretty worrying. I mean, I'm not. They'll if England lose five nil, they'll still sell out. Um, you know, the, the test matches next time the Ashes are in England, of course, but. It's just all very underwhelming, as you say. The coverage, um, you know, obviously came together quite last minute. Sort of clouds, um, sort of thrown over it by the whole racism kind of scandal and, and Michael Vaughan's involvement with that. You know, there's not a huge amount of, of effort put into it by BT in terms of sort of live coverage. But then I suppose, how much effort would you put in in the middle of the night? I mean, I don't know what the viewing figures would be live for it. Um, but when you compare to today's F1 finale, and I'm, you know, I used to be really into F1 when I was a kid. I don't really follow it very closely at all now, but I watched a bit, and you know, that's that's all anyone's been talking about today. It's been absolutely huge. Um, so if England just have sort of limp their way, or not even limp, they get sort of slaughtered this winter, and no one really notices, um, it's, it, it'll be sort of pretty sad, really. I, you know, I don't, maybe, yeah, and maybe so. Maybe this turns into a classic series: England win, and, and by the time we get to the fifth test in Hobart, um, you know, everyone's tuned in and, and absolutely glued to it in the same way that they were with the F one today. Um, but that's probably yeah, slightly fanciful thinking. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out totally, but it does like it does have a whiff of five nil about it now. And, <laughs> and, and you're right that it's it if that is what happens it will raise questions about you know is the ashes actually very good and we yeah. talked in 2019 that one of the for me one of the reasons that people got so excited about that series and were c- comparing it to 2005 which i thought was uh was was not correct <laughs> uh, was because actually the ashes had there hadn't been a good ashes series for 10 years um so you know we have had a decade of fairly underwhelming ashes both in england and in australia i think even australian fans should want England to compete here because another 5-0 is no good for anybody. So everyone needs to be willing England to uh, to improve and and to put in a performance and, and level things up in Adelaide because otherwise 
you know, if it if it does go two nil, it, it's a really long way back from there. Well, it's not going to happen, is it? Because you know, England would have to win all three to actually win the Ashes, and that's just not nobody wants to see that. I don't think. You mentioned the fifth test is going to be in Hobart. Well, yeah, one one thing that's happened in the last couple of days is is that it has been announced. Obviously, it was um, it was going to be in Perth. That can't happen now for COVID reasons. But there, there, was, there was doubt about where it was going to be. But it's been announced that it will be in Hobart, and it's another day-night test. So that one and Adelaide are day-night tests. Does that help England at all, Tone? If we want uh, reasons to to be optimistic that perhaps it it may not be 5-0. Is that something to cling on to? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think England haven't necessarily managed their day-night tests so far very well, have they? No. Um, there's been some real real cock-ups uh, and some, some, yeah, pretty sort of tough days and nights. Um, I mean, in theory, you'd think yes, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not holding out a huge amount of confidence on that front. Well, I think there's a danger as well that England kind of build that up too much into thinking that suddenly it's going to be like headingly. But I, I mean, it will probably, the ball might move a bit under the lights, the pink ball under the lights, but it's still going to be Adelaide. There's firstly going to be, it's day, night. It's not just night. You know, there's, there's going to be hot afternoons um, as well. And the pitch will probably be flat. And yeah, England don't have a great record in day-night cricket, and Australia do. Australia have won all seven, I think, or eight day-night tests they've played at home. While I think it's, it is perhaps more of a leveller, you know, England have more of a chance just because when the ball does move a bit, you know, that, that kind of, uh, that, you know, that will bring their bowlers into the game a bit more, although will also put their batsmen under pressure. Um, under even more pressure so it's perhaps a little bit more of a leveller but the, the idea that it kind of swings the balance towards England or anything like that is is absurd to me uh, you know I think yeah it's uh, I'm, I'm not convinced at all uh, that, that this makes much of a difference No well exactly I mean England still need to get some runs don't they if they're going to win the match so as you said it may give England's bowlers a little bit more to be excited about but that's not enough is it it's not going to be enough do you think we're too we're being too down on them, Tony? Too pessimistic? Uh, mm, no, on balance. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's tough. Let, let me think. No, we've been spot on. We've yeah, been spot on. we've been absolutely nailed it. Yes, um, I I, yeah, I mean, yes, I will stay up for the start, the first session of you know the next test. Am I well, excited I about it? Not massively. I, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think that's quite ambitious to try and stay up to because it's a day-night test. It starts at four. Oh yeah, true. Good point. Yeah, good point. So she better see most of it, actually. It's much better. Isn't it? Well, if you take Back in isolation, another, yeah, if you take another week of isolation, then uh, you can watch it all. Um, yeah, no, it's it is better. Um, I probably I don't know if I'll get up for four, but I might get up for five or something like that. And then watch a, a few hours before before I head off to work. When are we going to do Ashes Daily? Might have to do it on my lunch break, I guess. Uh, yeah, def- very doable. You're sort of tucking into your, you swap the cereal for quinoa or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My quiche. That's good. It's a good plan. It's a very good plan. Uh, okay, Tim. Well, I think that's going to be it uh, for the World Cricket Show this time. We will be back on Thursday with another instalment of of Ashes Daily. It's very exciting, isn't it? Have you been out and about this weekend, Tony? You've got out of isolation. 
yeah, I got out pretty, pretty big way. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll probably like probably run myself into the ground again. Probably, yeah. You might sense I'm feeling quite, uh, something quite tired today. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've run yourself into the ground just in time for Monday morning, another few days at home. Yeah, exactly. But I hope your boss isn't listening to this one. No, nah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be feeling, yeah, I feel, feeling fresh tomorrow. I'm sure. It's a fit way to go. Yeah, it's the festive season, isn't it? Got to get get back out there and support the hospitality industry. It is the festive season, just... and I was I was telling you uh, off air just before I did the Santa Fun Run today, <laughs> which is quite literally what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was dressed as Santa Claus running through the streets of St. Peterport. And you couldn't, you're saying you couldn't find, uh, couldn't rust up any mates to join you. So you're sort of cutting quite a lonely figure. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of run that people do in groups. So like, yeah, you get there and you just see these like groups of four or five Santas all there having the great, having a great time and the time of their <laughs> lives and running together and kind of high-fiving their way around the course. Um, you know, it's like, it's just got that feel about it, hasn't it? Um, it's not like a kind of serious marathon or anything like that, but I can, I asked so many people and no one was interested. So I was just there on my own dressed as santa claus with a full beard and everything big groups dotted around and then just me you just sort of milling about i was just milling about just waiting they were doing a, a warm-up uh to all i want for christmas is you of like a dance you know a dance warm-up and i was just stood there with my arms folded across my chest um, and then yeah just ran it got to the end and you know everyone was kind of like hugging and cheering and i just went okay Took my medal and walked home. Took them, sort of peeled the beard off as you kind of trudged off into the distance. Binned it. Chucked your sack over the shoulder and uh, just, yeah. And to all a good night, I said. <laughs> well, you were just there for the time, really, weren't you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Doing it for Strava. You're, yeah, you're a regular Sebco now. Sebco, not really Sebco. Who's, who's more appropriate? What a runner was Sebco the most up to date reference you could think of? For a <laughs> yeah, Mo Farah. I mean, you're not really a Mo. I, I'm. You're, what I mean is, you're pretty more like Sebco now. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see you as a Mo Farah at the moment. Um, all right, Tone. Uh, let's call it to an end there. Um, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, do get more involved on social media and send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com and we will be back with Ashes Daily but until then that's it from me and that is it from Tony cheers bye bye for now Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 